Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatech compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Objective insight, expertise, top guest. Available on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the Off the Hook Sports app. Download now for free. Also available on offthehooksports.com. I compute and obey. Now to Dave Hooker. Ready. Welcome to the program. It is a football Friday with Fred. VFL Fred White will join us and we'll discuss how the Vols can get better against UTSA. It's not just going to be about the final score. And then one of my favorite new additions to the program, Prop Bets. We'll talk about uh, Tennessee's penchant for topping some over and unders that Caleb Calhoun has picked and should college football adopt a relegation model. I don't know where he's going with that, but Caleb's a great man. So I I trust him to guide us in, in the right way later. Caleb, how are you, sir? I am a great man. I'm awesome. Great. Dave, how are you doing? (laughs) Uh, Never better, but we begin with the one and only uh, Caleb Giroux joins us of offthehooksports.com because we've got some news on uh, that Nico guy. Yes, we certainly do. So let's go ahead and get to that as it, it will be a, I don't know that it's a biggest, well, let me have you describe it. How big of a recruiting weekend is this for Tennessee? As I know that uh, you have a Madden Iamaleva in town. So, what do you got for me? Yeah, Dave, I was hoping I was the favorite part of the show and not the prop bet, but oh. I guess I'll still give you some recruiting information here. You're very so close to second. To, compared to some 
SEC weekends. I don't think this is as big of a recruiting weekend, but you still have some guys coming through. Like you mentioned, Nico's little brother, Maddie and Maliava. He'll be here this weekend watching. He's actually he actually holds offers from Tennessee and UTSC, UTSA, excuse me, uniquely enough. So he'll be in attendance, and I'm sure he'll want to see some offensive firepower. And I'm sure he'd like to see his little brother get in the game as well. Okay. Now I want to ask you about some some guys individually, but who else do you know or think or expect? It's it's fluid with football Fridays, but who else do you expect on campus for the UTSA game? Yeah, so this weekend, like you said, it is fluid. But off the top, we've got a 2025 safety, George Young. He's out of Monroe, North Carolina. He's a four-star prospect. He holds over 20 offers, including Tennessee and Alabama. Right down the road, he's been a frequent visitor to Duke in North Carolina. But that's a six-foot safety, and we know good and well how much that defense values best. So he'll, he's expected to visit this weekend. I'm sure Willie Martinez is still trying to build up the depth in the secondary. We saw that it's still not where you want it to be. We've also got a defensive lineman, Isaiah Campbell, out of Durham, North Carolina. He's another top 100 recruit, four-star prospect in the 2025 class. So that's a 6'4", 260-pound defensive lineman. And you basically see the defensive side of the ball getting emphasized by this recruiting class and by the coaches right now. And I don't see why else you wouldn't have it that way because the defense has not lived up to expectations. And we saw that against Florida. And kind of to wrap up the defensive side, you've got a cornerback, Great, Fulbright, 2025 guy, 5'11", 160 pounds. He's a three-star, lower-ranked guy, but he does hold offers from Kentucky, Georgia, and Southern California. So I feel like if those schools saw something in him, then it's no surprise that Tennessee wants to get him on campus and talk to him as well. Uh, Jero, uh, on a broader scale, just to talk talk about Florida real quick. Last week, you know, last year the South Carolina loss really, really wrecked Tennessee in recruiting. That's how they lost out on Mazio Bennett and a couple other guys. Do you think the Florida loss potentially is having the same impact or is it not as big of a deal because they're not exactly targeting too many of the same people? You know, I also think it helps on top of them not targeting a lot of the same people. It helps that it was so early in the year. So we're talking about this Florida loss right now. We think we get to December. That might be the only loss on Tennessee's record and prospects aren't looking at that as much. So, that's one thing. And another thing, like you said, is we're kind of late in this recruiting class. And there are some guys that they're both recruiting, like Cameron McHale, who I'm sure we'll talk about later. And I think that might lead an impact, but I don't think it'll be as amplified as what we saw with South Carolina. Especially with South Carolina, you mentioned Mazio Bennett. He was a guy who was already kind of on the fence. And then he went to that game and watched Tennessee get beat by the school who he was thinking about flipping to. And it was kind of just like the nail in the coffin for him. So I don't think we'll see the effect as much. But really, you never know if this plays out. We'll definitely find out more. There's some guys I want to specifically ask you about um, that I know that you've been all on top of. So let's start with Daniel Hill. What can you tell me about Daniel Hill? Yeah, so Daniel Hill is a guy who's expected to take an official visit next weekend to Tennessee. He's a running back that they have been high on out of Floridian, Mississippi. He's got a good relationship with Jerry Mack. Some other schools that are high in his recruitment as well as Alabama and South Carolina. So there are some big dogs fighting for him right now. And Tennis is going to get an official visit, and that's big. Get him on campus, show him the campus. It'll be an SEC game. It'll also be a game against South Carolina, one of the schools recruiting him. So that can be a big win right there. But, you know, he's a four-star running back, top 200 prospect, 6'1", 220-pound guy. 
they're looking for another running back to pair with Peyton Lewis in the 2024 class, and they've kind of locked in after um, Arkansas picked up the other running back there after they've locked in on Daniel Hill to be that guy that can compliment Peyton Lewis in the 24 class. So his recruitment will probably be one that goes down to the wire, which I feel like the longer it goes, the Tennessee season get him on campus the second time, it would help their odds with him. But he's expected to take an official visit next weekend and kind of round out a weekend, which next weekend will be a lot bigger than this one, and we'll have a couple official visits as well. So he's a running back they want to pair with Peyton Lewis, and he's a guy that they probably have a shot at, and they're taking a big swing for sure. And then Cameron Michael or Mikael, can you pronounce his last name? And I do apologize for some of those that are saying we're having audio issues. This is our first time trying this. So uh, let me know on the message board uh, how it's going. I think we've got it all worked out now. But uh, tell me about Cameron. Yeah, so I, I want to say it's Mikael. I could be wrong with that as well. But he's a six foot one athlete who probably projects as a receiver. And he's a guy out of South Georgia. He's a four star. He will be taking an official visit next weekend as well alongside Daniel Hill that we just mentioned. But he projects as a wide receiver. His relationship with Kelsey Pope is really good right now. And that's another spot in the 2024 class that they're still trying to shore up as well. You have guys like Ryan Wingo who are kind of still on the fence, run committed, or trending toward Georgia. And Mattel is a guy that they can take a swing at. He's from Georgia. He's crystal balled to Georgia as well. So getting him on campus, getting an official visit, kind of letting him see campus and talking to him will be very big in their attempt to keep him or get him out of Georgia and uh, East Tennessee. Um, Jairo, uh, earlier in the week, Tennessee lost edge, lost out on edge rusher Danny Okoye, who committed to Oklahoma. I, I think that was largely expected. He's from Tulsa, so I understand it, and Tennessee's loaded at edge rusher. But is this a sign of things to come? Is it a concern, or is Tennessee still in pretty good shape, and this is just something that what they really were never in the running for to begin with? So he's kind of a unique circumstance. He's a guy from northern Oklahoma. He's homeschooled in northern Oklahoma. Tennessee was probably, I, I think it's safe to say, they were leading for him probably from this time last year to about a month ago. But that's because he didn't give Grant Venables a chance at Oklahoma. So once he took his official visit to Oklahoma, he realized how much different Grant Venables was from Lincoln Riley. Those were his words. He said that when he visited, Lincoln Riley never even interacted with the recruits on the visit. But when he went, Venables was with him kind of the whole time on his official visit with high energy, kind of kept the energy up and was a lively attitude. I think it also helps that Venables is a defensive guy and Heifel is an offensive guy, and you're talking about a recruitment for an edge rusher. So realistically, I don't think it was anything Tennessee did as much as Brent Venables being a lot different from Lincoln Riley and kind of putting Oklahoma back in that recruitment. Because it, it was this in-state school right down the road, I think an hour or so from where he lived. So it's hard to compete with that. So I, like I said, like you said, Calhoun, I don't think it's as much of a concern. I think it's more of an isolated case where it was an Oklahoma guy who visited Oklahoma and decided he wanted to stay in-state. Not so much what Tennessee did. And they are loaded an edge rusher. I mean, your top recruit in this class is Jordan Ross, a five-star edge rusher. So you also have that going for you. And as long as you keep him locked up to the end of the cycle, I don't think there's much concern in that position. Caleb, great stuff. We look forward to your continued coverage on Off the Hook Sports. And have a fantastic day, sir. Yep, y'all as well. See you later. Thanks, buddy. He mentions the Jordan, you, mentions Jordan Ross already a commitment. And, Caleb, that, I mean, listen, you'd love to have a Koya and Ross. But if you had to pick between the two, I'll take the higher-rated guy that's out of the center of 
the Southeast, and that is Alabama. So I would take Jordan Ross. No question about it. If I had to pick yeah, him. I would. I agree. Losing out on an edge rusher like Daniel Coy, even if he was looking at Tennessee, is not a big deal because of how loaded they are at the edge rusher position and who they have committed. And look, we've talked about it, not even in this class. I think they have three edge rushers in this class, most notably Jordan Rawls. But you're talking Joshua Joseph and James Pierce on this team. They they're they still got at least another year on the team, maybe two, both of them. So I, I if you're a three-star edge rusher, you're going to be buried in the depth chart if you go to Tennessee right now. I have some encouraging news about Tennessee's offensive line, and that leads us to today's tough question, brought to you by our friend Andy Mason, AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Today's tough question. Take a side. Take a stand. The Dave Hooker Show, a presentation of OffTheHookSports.com. All right, Tennessee's offensive line has been an issue and why it's because Cooper Mays has had a missed time. And by the way, uh, someone misreported uh, something that I said on a national station. I never said that a second procedure was coming down the pike. Uh, and I don't know that. Uh, but nevertheless, um, how good, today's tough question, can Tennessee's offensive line be? I think we would agree without Darnell Wright and Jerome Carvin, that they're not going to be as good as last year. However, let me ask you this. Right now, as of last week, they weren't good. I mean, they got beat up on, on in the first half and then kind of held their own. But can they be good, great, or elite, Caleb, that's today's tough question brought to you by AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Over 40 years of experience right there in Knoxville. He's my realtor. He should be yours. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. So we want to hear from you on the message board. Can this offensive line be good, great, or elite, Caleb? When Cooper Bays gets back, it has the potential to be great. It can't be elite. The left guard is going to be an issue throughout the whole season. And I, I just firmly believe that. Having watched Andre Carrick, I just don't think he's a power five player. There, I said it. I don't think they have a left guard. I don't think they can find one. Ollie Lane's going to have to move over there. And Ollie Lane is serviceable, but that's just kind of an issue. So I would say that it could be great because the other four spots will be fine. Cooper Mays is, we know what he is. Javon Despragans is an elite run blocker. Jeremiah Crawford, say what you want at the right tackle position. Everybody talks about the drop-off of Darnell Wright. But, Dave, I haven't seen any issues at right tackle this year. Have you? With J.J. Crawford locking down that spot? I haven't, but I haven't seen the dominant run blocking that you saw from Darnell Wright either. So, But they don't ask their guys to do uh, too much of that. I, uh, On the tackle position especially, I think they can be great. I do. And I think they've actually built some depth. And it may have cost you a game – against Florida, but now you have Andre Couric, who's actually getting snaps, and he was somewhat of a disappointment not locking down a starting position from the get as the transfer, but you have him getting snaps. You have Ollie Lane getting snaps, who I would think would slide back to left guard when Mays returns. I think they can be great. Elite, to me, is one of those Georgia, Georgia or Alabama offensive lines that are the best in the conference and the best in the nation, so Elite's a pretty high standard for me. 
Elites when you have Kosey Coleman and Chad Clifton on the offensive line together. Let's just call yeah. it what it is. Well, and 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 let's let's say this: Were they elite last year? We all wanted to talk about receivers, and we wanted to talk about all that they had in quarterback play. But you have Darnell Wright, who went in the top ten. You had uh, depth with the guys that we've just talked about. You had Jerome Carvin. You had Cooper Mays healthy, who was an All SEC center preseason for some reason he didn't make the postseason list which i was disappointed that uh i thought that was laziness by the voters but were they elite last year for what they do i know they don't come around and just push you around caleb but were they elite last year last year is one of the best offensive lines tennessee has had in they could compete with the 90s, early 2000s offensive lines. They were elite. There were four NFL guys on that line last year. Because, look, Javante Spragans is an NFL guy. You agree with me on that, right? Javante Spragans is going to the NFL. He's the best run blocker. He may be the best run blocker in the SEC. He does not get his due. Cooper Mays, you bring up. Cooper Mays is going to the NFL. Darnell Wright was a top 10 pick in the NFL. And what's happening with the Bears right now is not his fault. And I'm sorry, it's not his fault that Justin Fields is one of the worst quarterbacks imaginable. And everybody who's still defending him needs to shut up. Um, <laughs> and the only, like the weakest link of the line last year was at left tackle. And that's alternating Gerald Mincy and Jeremiah Crawford. And Jeremiah Crawford is pretty reliable right now. So there were no issues on the line last year. That was a huge difference. And I talked about it last year. Cooper Mays being healthy. We talked about Hooker's, Hendon Hooker's improved pocket presence from 2021 to 2022. Now, there might have been some truth to that, but it was more about Cooper Mays being healthy and being able to start at center than it was anything else. So, yeah, they were absolutely elite last year. This year is – look, you're nicer than I am. Ollie Lane will have to move to left guard. Andre Carrick can't play. I, I, I'm going to say he can't play. He can't play at this level. He's just not good. Now, and, and let's remember this, too, that uh... – Tennessee, even though maybe not elite uh, last year, although I thought they were very, very good, were sixth best in terms of rushing yardage. And this is an offense that is going to make its hay through the air. So that's more than respectable. Hendon Hooker had a clean pocket more times than not. And when Cooper Mays does return, guys, I'm I'm going to go ahead and tell you that it's more than just the player. It's more than the guy that plays with great leverage, that doesn't get out of position, that does all those things. It's handling some of those line calls and making Joe Milton more comfortable. You take away a couple of plays that were kind of frazzled before the snap, which we're not used to seeing out of a Josh Heupel offense. If Cooper Mays' inclusion in that game takes those away, Caleb, then we're maybe having a different conversation. I'm not saying that. The Florida game was close, um, but it was close enough where four or five plays could have made a huge, huge difference. They win that game with Cooper Mays. I said that on Monday, wow. and I'm saying it now. They win that game with Cooper Mays. The problem with that game was they could not run the ball in the first half. And again, Josh Heupel's offense, for as fast as it goes, is not built to come back. And, and, that's, and I know that's weird to say, but it's not built to come back. They would have controlled the clock a lot more in the first half with Cooper. They would have ran the ball better, and you wouldn't have seen the defense just get torched down. Florida's just ran the ball down their throat in the first half for the most part, and then Graham Mertz nickeled and dimed them. I, I think that the flow is totally different. And then in the second half, let's not even get started on the the tempo with 
Cooper Mays in there. Maybe they get that fourth and one there, which would end in a touchdown drive. Maybe they finish the first drive in a field goal and a touchdown. And you're talking about a totally different game if that happens. So, yep. yeah. And Travis brings up the point. You're 11 and two. Can you really be 11 and two in the SEC? I mean, those are non SEC games too, but can you be 11 and two in the SEC and not have an elite offensive line? I'm not sure I that mean, you can. I maybe, mean, maybe this year you can. <laughs> well, I don't know that you can. That's why I think it's so important that a Cooper Mays gets back when he's able. Um, I mean, if magically you could snap your finger and there are no injury issues on the offensive line and they started the season how they had planned on it, um, I, I think it would be pretty good. I don't know about elite, but I think it would be pretty close to it, Caleb. I don't know if Tennessee's offensive line would be elite this year. I don't. Uh, I do think it would, like you said, I think it would be pretty good. I think it would be pretty good. It wouldn't have the issues it's having. Right now, teams can play the soft coverage because they don't have to worry about the run game that much. That's what you're seeing happen. I mean, Florida could stick with that because Jalen Wright averaged less than four yards a carry last week, even though Florida was playing soft coverage. Florida most of the time had, what, five guys up, up front? That was about all they had, and Tennessee couldn't average more than four yards a carry. That's shameful, honestly. Yep. Um, well, and the other factor, too, is there's not a consistent underneath passing game. I think it's I think it's twofold. I don't think it's just that you have the issue with the run game or just that Joe Milton or his receivers, whoever it may be, have been inconsistent um, at times underneath, especially in Austin P and at times at Virginia. If you have one of the two of those, I think it dictates coverage and how people are uh, defending Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have much of an underneath passing game last year, though. They didn't really have to use it. Um, yeah, they didn't. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, if I if I could take one or the other, I would take the run game, like you said. But either, I think, would make defenses a little bit more balanced. Uh, Smoky Mountain Red said, uh, I would like to know if Hypel has a plan B when, play fall, when plan A falls apart like it did in Florida. Is plan B the screen game? Yeah, I think largely it is. Um, and I know people don't want to hear that and they don't ever want to hear the term screen again. But I think that is going to be a big part of plan B until they get this offense back on track. And there was not look, I criticized Hybel the talent evaluator yesterday. Hybel the play caller, there was nothing wrong with his play calling in that game against Florida. Absolutely nothing wrong with it. And people were mad that he stuck to the ground game in the second half. That ground game got Tennessee into the red zone and on the first two drives, and they came away with three points. So you can't blame Heupel on that. They moved the ball with the ground game. And as a matter of fact, Dave, you notice this, because they were moving the ball, running the ball in the second half like that, the defense finally was able to rest and actually stop the run in the second half. So there were no issues with Heupel's ground game or with Heupel's play calling in the second half. They just couldn't finish in the red zone was what happened. Very true. Campbell Cunningham, Taylor and Han, look at me with no glasses, no contacts. Enjoy life better when you see better. Local vision service for LASIK, cataract surgery, and regular eye examination. Local and they care. Just go to cctis.com. Two minutes and then we make it official because it's not a football Friday with Fred without Fred. So Fred White, BFL, joins us next with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker.
Our family has been creating one-of-a-kind pieces of jewelry in West Knoxville since 1986. Each piece is a combination of unique processes that bring your idea to life. Every day in our shop, a truly special item with a story all its own is being manufactured in our facility, bringing the history and family sentiment into a whole new generation of life. We are grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler, a title that we value and respect. Because to me, being a jeweler and owning a jewelry store are not the same thing. I'm Rick Terry, I'm a jeweler, and we want to be your jeweler. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street right next to the Tennessee Theater. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. There's your These mountains hold and defend a spirit far better than moonshine. A drink that holds flavor that becomes necessity. A hard cider made and relished by folk who are as hearty as they are legend. A refreshment that can only be found in one place. With a taste that makes you say, give me three bottles of the good stuff. Tennessee Cider Company, where necessity can be found. A college football tradition like no other. Yes, sirree, boys and girls. Or the guy that just won't leave. Wow, that is sad. The Dave Hooker Show, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Back to Dave Hooker. So we get linked up with Fred White here momentarily, but to take a look at Tennessee's recruiting, which we visited about momentarily, I think they're they're sitting at a good spot. I think a, a win over South Carolina would help uh, to close out the month, quite frankly. And But right now they're ninth overall. Uh, Jordan Ross is their highest-rated player, five-star, who we talked about, edge rusher, out of uh, Birmingham, Alabama. And then they have another five-star that you know, Mike Matthews, wide receiver, and then a large group of four-stars. So I'm just looking at this, again, with with more years than I care to count of covering recruiting, and I see a class that could be very, very good. I don't know that I want to go elite yet, but everybody gets excited about when Nico commits and brings in some guys, and he did. But what do you do after that? Do you stack with four stars? Do you stack with five stars? And Tennessee appears to be on that way. And with the Koya kid that ended up not going to Tennessee, I'm not saying that was mutual. Sometimes I'll get a tip on that and I'll let you know. But I don't think anybody in in Tennessee's recruiting office was crying when he announced his decision. I think they feel really good about where they're standing right now. Yeah, I think they're very happy with where they're standing right now. Uh, again, we've talked about this. If Tennessee just needs to recruit in the five to ten range, 
and they'll have what they need with Heupel and his play calling. Because as, as I said, Heupel, the coach, the player developer, the play caller is elite. Again, I question the talent evaluator, particularly in the transfer portal. And they may have a harder time in the transfer portal this year than last year. We'll have to see how that goes. But I do think the recruiting, I'm with you, which should be fine. But Dave, they have to beat South Carolina. I mean, I'm going to be honest. If they lose to South Carolina, you might start seeing uh, the momentum shift against them significantly. In recruiting? Yeah, the recruiting momentum. Well, now you're right. And that could be a concern, but you can always spin that into, hey, we need you to play early. And there's three things kids like now, and it's changed. But number one used to always be, can you prepare me for the NFL? It's not what kind of restaurants you have and the stadium environment and all that. Oh, sort but of Jones stuff. said it was the juice bar. He said the yeah, juice bar in Tennessee would outsell Nick Saban. It was not the juice bar. But at the end, people went to Alabama for years and years and years. And that was because they got prepared for the NFL. So that used to be number one. And then number two varied among some people. Um, It might be anywhere from, uh, hey, it's close to home. It's it's got my major or a lot of things like that. But now number one's NIL money. okay, and number two is get ready for the NFL which if you know business at all is a little short-sighted. You, you don't want to stumble over nickels to perhaps risk thousands or millions. So that was um, that's something they want to avoid. Uh, for it sure. depends on who you are, though. I will say this with NIL, and I've thought about this. If you're like a four-star quarterback, I do think you go for the NIL at that point because I think quarterbacks – there are a lot of players that are going to be good college players that won't make, that just aren't built for the NFL. And they can make a lot of money in college. This is going to be more common in basketball. Think about Chris Lofton, David, Tennessee. Never cut out for the NBA. Just didn't have the quickness off the dribble. Just was never, and wasn't tall enough. So never cut out. But he could have made a lot of money playing college basketball. Honestly. No doubt. Go ahead and click that like and subscribe button. We greatly appreciate that. And the offer still stands a free t shirt uh, after the Florida loss with anybody that orders celebrate 98 the book is uh, right below you can click below and order from us if you would like an autographed copy i can take care of you there and until tennessee wins which is going to be saturday against utsa uh, i'm throwing in a shirt as well so uh, if you can put in the comments the size and uh, the color that you would like and we'll take care of that for you but we'll get that book out to you and we're going to have a book signing here before too terribly long as we're joined by fred white the vfl is with us now he's looking dapper as always fred how are you sir i'm doing good Dave. how you guys doing today never better so as a player you got to put the game behind you a loss like within 24 hours right but as as a fan base how do you think Tennessee's fan base has responded to the loss at Florida? I don't know if we've respond. I don't know if we've actually um, gotten over it yet, but I think it's a long season and you have an opportunity to, you know, write the ship now and try to figure out what you did wrong in that game and, and get better at it. Um, you have to have a short memory. Now I hope we don't have to have a short memory later on in the season, you know, a few other times. I, I think whatever we worked on this week, we need to go out and show that we can be dominant against a team um, like a UTSA 
and try to get over that hump. I think getting this win would get us over that that Florida loss a little bit more. Um, Fred, sticking with this, you know, kind of looking back on history, you guys obviously, uh, y'all beat Florida in 98, but y'all did have to recover from Florida in 99, 97, 96, 95. And y'all usually recovered yeah, pretty well. The, I mean, uh, yeah, that's great, Caleb. Thanks for the memory. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, actually, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe like, maybe like Fred's, uh, I don't know, uh, gotten in a car wreck or he's, he's lost a family member and you want to bring that up or something. Great not job, Fred, Caleb. Wait, wait, not Fred White's fault. As I said last week, Fred White, <laughs> you, when you were starting, did your job to beat Florida every time. And so I'm not I'm not holding this against Fred and Dion Grant at all because they did their jobs. Um, some other people didn't do their jobs. <laughs> but- I was thinking about this the other day, not to interrupt, I, but it's not through just working with Fred. But I actually thought to myself, is that the best duo of safeties of all time? Ooh, Fred and Dion Grant. I'm laying it on, Fred, but I was really thinking. I've covered a lot of teams. I guess that Miami crew with Ed Reed, I don't remember who his cohort was. Um, and I know you guys better than anybody else. I'm not going to ask you to call yourself the best safety I, duo I, of all I, time. I can't, I can't call myself the best, I, I, you know. I feel like I'm the best, though. I do. I think anybody's better than me. Absolutely not. If you don't think you're better than nobody else, I guarantee you that much. But it's not for me to decide on who who's the best. Smoky Mountain Red agrees with me, Caleb. I'm sorry to interrupt your question. Go ahead. So, Fred, how the one that stands out to me was the '97 one because I know that you guys that probably had to be frustrating to lose to them again, but you guys rebound and win the SEC championship. How were y'all able to maintain, I guess, a high head at that point? I don't know if that's the right phrase to use, but because that had to be demoralizing, right? The 97 one. I think the 97, I mean, every last, every loss I've ever had was demoralizing. I, I remember almost everything that happened in the game I lost. I can barely remember some of the wins, but the losses are the things that stick with you because those are the things you try to get better at. Um, how do we get back? Hey man, you got to go back and go to work the next week. If you try to, if you if you let this one loss hinder our whole season, hey man, I don't want you on my team anyway. Get out of our locker room. You might want to be gone anyway. I mean, because you never know what can happen. It's a, it's a long football season, as we saw in '97. We got a chance to make it to the SEC championship because Florida did lose two games. Um, those are the things that you know you just keep fighting. You never know how it's going to work out. In '97, in 1998, we won the national championship. You look at some of the teams that were undefeated that same weekend that we were undefeated in the SEC Championship. You had Miami playing against UCLA. UCLA was undefeated. And also, there was a Texas A&M team that went and beat Kansas State who was undefeated. You got to continue to play and see what happens and let it shake itself out. You never know what's going to end up being there at the end of it. Florida State wasn't supposed to be in the National Championship game with us. Simply because some of the teams lost, they made their way into it. Yeah, and uh, I want to point out, Fred, that you went thirteen and zero in '98 after Caleb just ripped you. So I just—I <laughs> <laughs> mean, that's that's me being a nice guy. Caleb's different; he's hard. Well, I, I, I take it on the floor. I take it on the team with Florida when it comes to that game, simply because that team was a team that was our nemesis. I only lost to two SEC schools. That was Florida four times. I count. I do count that the year I was redshirted, so I counted four, and also once against. Arkansas, those are the only teams that beat me in the SEC. So, didn't lose many games. 
The ones that, like I said, that I lost are the ones that stick out the most because I didn't lose many. No, you didn't. Fred, do you know when you go out to practice or even Sunday morning meetings or Monday at practice, when do you know? Because college football is so different. Major League Baseball, you can lose 60 games and you just keep on plugging along. College football is so different. One loss can derail a season. How quickly did you know that a team that your teams were ready to bounce back after a disappointing loss? Was it Sunday morning? Was it Monday? Was it Tuesday? When was it? Monday practice. Because if you weren't ready Monday practice, there's going to be a, some some wrestling going on in that locker room. Wrestling. That's there's going to be some wrestling going on in the football field too. We, it, it may start a fight just because you're not getting your job done. We didn't play those type of things, man. We had our whole goal every day was perfect practice, no repeats. If you make us repeat, hey man, there's gonna be some issues. Somebody's gonna say something. There's gonna be more than one person's gonna say something. If you make us repeat more than once, get off our football field. Ciao. Did you ever have a Monday after that was ho hum as a team because the loss was so disappointing? No, because you knew it. You knew immediately. You better come to practice on Monday, ready to get it in. You better come to practice Monday, ready to work, because we just lost. So if you come out here with a ho hum, that means you ain't trying to win no more games, man. You got to go. You better toughen it up. Toughen up, Buttercup. Let's go. Toughen up, Buttercup. I love it. All right, um, Caleb. Anything else you want to rip Fred about? <laughs> well, actually. <laughs> um, Fred, one of the I, I, I didn't see the I've heard of him as a leader, obviously, but I didn't see the inner workings of Peyton Manning as a leader during the locker room during that time. But I will say, could you talk a little bit about one of the finest moments, I think, of Peyton Manning's leadership career? There's a vi YouTube video of him giving a speech to you guys in the locker room right before the Ole Miss game the week after Florida. I don't know if you remember that speech at all, um, but it's out there. <laughs> I don't remember um, I don't. There's okay. only a few speeches I remember from someone in the locker room. Um, One's an opening chapter in a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you forget that one? That's like <laughs> yeah, you can't forget that one. That was a big one. That, that's that's the number one on my list. Um, I can remember the pregame speech with Coach Woolman gave for the national championship and how that kind of shook out. Um, I can remember that because of some of the things that happened in it. How he charges us out of the locker room and they'll try to make her stay in it. I can never forget, I'll never forget that. Um, I can remember Peyton being a leader simply because of how hard he worked, man. I mean, sometimes you don't have the same thing to be a leader. Sometimes it's doing the work and being, you know, being who you are, the hard worker, the, you know, the study guy, all, all those things made Peyton a leader. He was a leader from just sheer work, first of all. And then if he came, you know, come on, guys, let's get it together. Let's go do this. all those type of things. Yeah, I get it. And that was Peyton Manning. He was all of those things in a bag of chips. So <laughs> with hot sauce on them. So I mean. Never put hot sauce in chips. I got to give that a shot. Yeah. Oh, man. You laced potato chips with some nice hot sauce? Absolutely. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I, I like the fire Cheetos, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I made a mistake in L.A. when I was out there and got some of these Snoop Dogg uh chips 
And uh, they just make you want to eat more and more and more chips, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so be, be careful with those. I'm just saying, because you eat those and then you want more chips and then you want more chips. And then before you know it, you can't remember your name. All right. So here we go. It is time for four downs. What does Tennessee need to improve on? And that will be brought to you by zen sports so four downs brought to you by zen sports have you downloaded that app yet if you do be sure and use the promo code hooked i'll tell you more about it here in just one moment four downs four questions four answers the dave hooker show four four Four? downs a presentation of off the hook sports.com so the talking point in the offseason was UTSA is no pushover. Now that we've seen that they're not as good as last year, one and two, and lost to Army last week, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and say Tennessee gets the win in this one. So I want to talk about the X's and O's of this game, Fred, and what you want to see as a player and how you want uh, Tennessee to improve. As always – Cooper Mays, get well soon. He leads us in. What should people do, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Hit like and subscribe. Do it. Coop here. First down. All right. Priority number one. Fred, at the end of the day, if you could say this unit is better, so it was a successful Saturday, what would it be? Or one area of play? You tell me. One area of play for this week to be better. Yes, for UTSA. Offensive line. Um, we had to be dominant up front. We need to be able to get back to running, rushing for 200 yards in the game. And also, I'd like to see us stretch the football field. We need to get some deep balls going down there, and, I, and that, that's some of the things I want to be able to see. Um, let's light the scoreboard up. Our receivers need to be a little bit better in catching the ball, um, but I want to see our offensive line dominate up front. All right. What down is it, Coop? Cooper Mays here. Second down. Caleb? Fred, looking at the secondary, given what they have in the breakdown, can they be good or great, or are they going to stay average? And I'm talking to somebody. I'm going to to throw a bone here because of last segment. I'm talking to somebody who was part of an amazing secondary in Tennessee. So (laughs) I appreciate that, Caleb. (laughs) You know, I think they can be really good. I really do. Um, And I always say this, myself and Dwayne Goodrich talk about this all the time, and Dion. One of the things that helped us be good in the second day was our pass rush up front and what we could do with our front seven. Um, getting pressure on the quarterback with just four guys. That's something that you can do to make it. If you can do those things, it helps your, your defense backs be able to cover longer. Um, getting to the, the ball, just getting to the quarterback and tackle. We got to do a better job of tackling. That's one thing we have to do a better job with in the secondary, making some hits. I hope we did a lot of tackling reels this weekend because I need to see us tackle better. Really? All right. What down is it, Coop? Tennessee center Cooper Mays here. Third down. When I ask you about, and you would know about this specifically because in 98, Jamal Lewis went down and you guys handled that incredibly well. 
When I ask you about mental fatigue from injuries, first remind everybody that Four Downs today is brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sportsbook in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. That means no more deposit bonuses that turn into deposit nightmares on Zen Sports. What you see is what you get with their cash rewards program. You get a lot of cash for a welcome bonus. Earn an unlimited 5% cash back on your betting volume for your first 15 days when you sign up with promo code HOOKED. That's right, HOOKED. Unlimited 5% cash back. Keep betting and keep earning with up to 3% cash back on your betting volume every month after that. And refer friends to earn a percentage mm-hmm. of their betting volume as cash rewards too. Zen Sports, bringing the cash back to Tennessee. So if you bet big on sports, you want to be betting on Zen Sports. Zen Sports betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Must be 21 and over in Tennessee to bet. So I'm assuming there had to be some mental fatigue mental blow when jamal lewis went down you guys rebounded and handled it just fine fred but i'm curious with with tennessee losing keenan pilly losing cooper mays how much do you think that affects just team morale in general aside from the fact that they're really good players uh that's weak-minded for an athlete in my, in my opinion if you're on a football team and somebody goes down and you're thinking oh man we're gonna be no you gotta go get it man that means you got to go extra hard because you lose. You lost one of your stars. When Jamal Lewis went down, the first thought we had was, man, we got to go harder. We got to make sure guys don't score now. We got to make sure guys don't get over 100 yards rushing now. We got to make sure that we're on offense and we're extra, blocking extra hard for our running backs in the back because they're not Jamal Lewis. But I think everybody picked up their game, and it made us work harder because we knew we didn't have a choice. You lost. If you lose a superstar like that, you got to figure out ways to get on the football field and give it everything you got. That hundred percent you just gave, I need about five to ten more percent now. So that means you got to go all out at all times. That's why if you were loafing on the football field or in practice, we didn't make those. We made somebody. You know, you had to do twenty-five push-ups for that. You drop a you drop an interception on the football field. Let me get them ten push-ups on the field. I don't care if it's in the game. And I know you guys saw that when we played. Dion did a few of them. So did Dwayne Goodrich. I, I mean, but those were things we did to say, you know what? Let's step our game up. It's yeah. not we treat and, re- and, and react differently. No, you step your game up, plain and simple. Yeah, but you never had a turnover bucket. So but Joe is a turnover trash can. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. and it was trash. What? <laughs> he should have jumped in the trash can himself. All right, what down is it? I'll let you see Senator Cooper Mays here. Okay, my playing the trouble. Uh, <laughs> all right fourth down Caleb roll okay Fred I know I have a feeling I'm, I know what you're going to say on this and I am going to agree with you but I'm going to ask this on behalf of Tennessee fans so you can um you can shut down the Tennessee fans that are asking this as they okay. ask it so what go. do you say what do you say to Tennessee fans that are trying to say it's Nico time I say there's a coach that we pay a whole lot of money to get this job right. And if he's that person that's making that type of money to make this decision, and his track record has been pretty good, I say I'm gonna listen to him rather than somebody who's not the coach, who's not getting paid $5 million a year, and who has not coached a down of college football. So that's what I say. Yep, that's fair. Peggy Joe Hill says, and listen, if I didn't know that Peggy Joe was from Tennessee, I do now because her name's Peggy Joe. 
uh, said, Cooper Mays, we love you. The Hills, South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Uh, Go Vols, Fred White, great seeing you. Absolutely it is. And this from Smoky Mountain Red. I haven't played in years, and Fred has me ready to go out there and break a hip. Well, I've, already done, <laughs> I've already done that once. I'm not going to break the other one. But, Fred, how quickly will you know in this game that Tennessee's ready to play, ready to shut up the critics, and ready to put the Florida game behind them? How fast do you see that? I need to see that in the first drive. I need to see them come out with a different attitude in the first drive to know that they're going to dominate this football game. Plain and simple. That's what they need to do. They need to come out on the first drive to make those things happen. If it's on offense, you need to score first drive. It needs to be fast. If it's on defense, you need to get them out of the football field in three plays or less. Plain and simple. You got to go out there and get the job done. I mean, the focus is on getting better, right? Then get better. Show me you got better during the week. Yep. Football Friday with Fred and that Sunday show with Fred, which we'll have on Sunday, is brought to you by friends at the Herald Group Security Solutions, leadership experience, specialization, addressing problems through unique mission-specific mitigation techniques, also making your children safer one school at a time. If you're at a private school, your kids are there. We've heard about the tragedies. Go to your school administrators and tell them about heraldgrp.com, the Herald Group security solutions they'll make your children safer we're going to get those in public schools before it's all said and done so fred how do you see this game shaking out i need to see us get back to scoring 40 points a game so i'm going with at least 40 points for ut and i'm going for uh, i really don't want them to score more than 13 that's where i am for a score but dominance wise I need to have over 20 yards rushing. I need us to have over 300 yards passing. And we need to put up some points. Yep, absolutely. And last comment I want to pull, Smoky Mountain Red said, like the Cal kickoff in uh, Knoxville two years ago. There have been a couple of special times, uh, Fred, but what are some of the games that you remember most that the tone was set by the fans before you guys even took the first snap? Any that stand out in particular where you're like, this place is electric? Well, Dave, I was fortunate enough to play in games at the University of Tennessee that were all sold out. Yeah. And the crowd was always loud. And they were always in the game. They made teams call timeouts at least two in the first half. You know what I mean? Two in the first quarter, leave them with one. There you go. Every time. Every time I played in Knoxville, that's what it was like. These guys are just getting to that now you know, to back what it was like to have that feeling. But from the time I touched the football field at the University of Tennessee, I never had a game where I didn't think the crowd was in it. Yeah. Never. They set the tone from day one. Love it. And K- uh, Caleb, how bad would Fred have been if he didn't have fan support? Fred would have been great. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> by the way, Fred, I will say. I, 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 my, I, Fred knows me. I find my spot and I just kind of <laughs> dig at it. By the way, I spoke out of turn last week, though, because I gave y'all credit. And you guys did – you and Deion Grant did a great job in that 99 Florida game, but most of the defense did. Andre Lott was not ready for that Florida game. I watched a little bit of film on that, but I will say that. Now we're calling out players. Um, but that's a, he he became a great cornerback. It was, his, it was just his second start at the time. So, But what I was going to ask you, Fred, um, mm-hmm. was this game. 
uh, last week. One of the only things that I think kind of bothered me watching it, and it's for people that are wanting Joe Milton, that are calling for Joe Milton's head, which I think is totally unfair. Are you noticing, is it bothering you at all that it just doesn't seem like the receivers are fighting for jump balls the way they were last year? And I mean, don't want to mention any names, but I think we know some names uh, on the team right now. But it just seemed that there were a few jump balls downfield that people are going to blame Joe Milton for maybe not throwing it right on the spot. But receivers got to fight for those, right? I, I think you got to fight for everybody that goes in the air. If the ball is in the air, my whole thought process, I coached high school football a long time ago. And I used to tell my guys all the time, if the ball is in the air, the ball is ours. So if the ball is in the air as an offense, the ball is ours. Go get it. And usually, if it's a pass in the fence call, it's usually called for the offense. So do everything you can to go up and get that rock. Everything. Now, I, I'm not going to hop on my receivers. I think I think the fact that the game flow has been different, but I need y'all to, I do need y'all to step the game up. I do you need, I mean, because without receivers, the game doesn't work in our offense. We got to have some guys that will go out there and get their rock. And I think we do have some. They can go out there and get it. It's just now putting it together and doing it. And stop reading press clippers before the season starts. I was talking to a parent of a current player. It's a young player. I'm not going to name who it was. Mm-hmm. But I said, the first thing you need to do is, and he didn't He didn't do particularly well in the first game. And he said, you're going to say, don't listen to the media. And I said, yes, don't listen to people like me and don't listen to that stuff. Don't read your p- press clippings. There's nothing to be had from that. Now, as far as our listeners, you need to listen every day and hit the like and subscribe button. <laughs> but you, you do have to insulate yourself. And Papa Jay says this tweener year is going to be interesting in, betu- in between two great quarterbacks, Hendon and Nico. Well, 98 was supposed to be uh, – not a tweener year, but a down year because you didn't have Peyton Manning. So I don't buy that mindset at all, Fred. So let me let me say this too. How do we know Nico's going to be great? We don't. He hasn't played a down. He has potential. And I do. I think he can be great. I do. I think he has, a, you know, all the intangibles to be great. So does Joe. They all have, they have intangibles, but here's the thing. You haven't done anything yet. So I can't tell me, you can't tell me he's a great quarterback yet and he hasn't touched the football field in the Division One football game as a starter. I think he has an opportunity to be. But again, potential means what? You haven't done anything yet. Fred, you go to practice, you, you've seen him whip it around. And I know he could get in the game and spit the bit. I've seen a ton of players that look great in practice that were five-star guys and do that. But, Nathan Peterman, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but as far as a guy that can whip it around, just what do you think when you see Nico? I think he has great arm talent. But keep in mind, ain't nobody hitting him in the game, in practice, rather. That's true. And everybody he's like, he's... Everybody looks good with shorts, with shorts and shoulder pads on. I mean, I'm just saying. I know a lot of guys who look amazing. And shorts and shoulder pads and nobody's touching them. Well, That's and you guys and, and Fred, you guys also, I think it's important before the 98 season to point out in spring practice, you guys were live, which made a T Martin tougher, which made your entire team tougher, and mm-hmm. probably ended Joey Matthews' career. I think it did end his career. <laughs> he wasn't ready for that as a high school kid coming out of high school. I don't think you know, he came in early that year. I don't think he was ready for that. 
and he was going up against a defensive line and linebacking crew and you know secondary that was bound for NFL the next season. So yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine standing back there quarterback as a freshman at 18 years old. He might have been even 17 years old at that time. And and it's Billy Ratliff, Sean Ellis, Don Walker, and Corey Terry coming out. I mean, all those guys got drafted except for Billy Ratliff. If Billy didn't get hurt, he would have been a second or third round draft pick. So, yeah, I – I think we did kind of end his career. I'm not, I'm not laughing about it. What were we thinking about going, you know, live on quarterbacks that year? That was insane. Yeah, that never happens. And it it didn't even happen back then, and it worked. Um, well, didn't, they want to, didn't you guys want to incorporate with T the option back into your offense a little bit? Wasn't that the initial no, plan? No, I didn't want T to run the option. No, oh, I, I didn't want T to oh. run the option. Uh, and I, <laughs> Let him drop back and pass, and if he needs to run, he can run. He was more Charlie Ward than anything. Okay. Good comparison. That's a great comparison. And, and you know, the, the other thing with Joey Matthews that I'm, I'm just thinking about, because I thought he had a really strong arm and I cover, I actually did play by play for one of his games. Um, can you imagine showing up and you're facing one of the best defenses? Not in, just in that year, but of that decade and in school history. That was then they tell you you gotta go. Then they tell you it's live. You can actually get hit. I I don't know. I might have transferred (laughs) as an eighteen year old quarterback. Well, and 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 Fred, remember this too. Like now, midterm guys, you know, they get focused on football, so they're bigger and they come in and they're more ready to play. Back then, if you got one or two midterm guys, that was a huge deal. So you can't tell me physically he was anywhere close to the midterm guys we see nowadays. No, he didn't have a spring in our weight room program. I mean, he was coming directly from high school. I, I mean, that was a tall task that I asked for a kid that was 18 years old and played it, hold on, and played in Sevier County. He didn't play nowhere near the talent he was getting to walk into at UT. And, you know, the other thing that hurt him, Fred, is when they had the open scrimmages that you guys would have at night, there would be 30 or 40 of his – friends and family that would show up because anybody could get in and that probably just put more pressure on him. It's funny how even good players, if things go wrong and you're not in the right setting, we see it in the NFL, you can go south. You could put Nico, Joe, Hendon Hooker, Peyton Manning in that situation as a freshman and they live, they weren't going to do well. Against that defense, they weren't going to do well. I'm sorry. That was a, that's one of the fastest defenses you ever get. I can still go now to current day and go 40 for 40 time for every position, and we're still in the top five, maybe top three. Man, Speaking this. of that, for getting hit and things, Fred, do you think also one of the reasons I'm not high on Nico because you're seeing practice, I feel like he needs another all season in the weight room is what do you think? He just seems a little too thin still to me right now. I mean, I think he's thin, but here's the thing. Like I said before, I'm going to go with what Josh Hypo says. He's a quarterback. He's the offensive coordinator, too. He's put some guys everywhere he's been, his quarterbacks have done well. Everywhere. Name a place that they haven't. I mean, even at Missouri, those guys did well. Wherever he's been, his quarterbacks have done great. So I'm going to go with the guy who's a quarterback guy. Over me. Sorry. Yep. 
There you go. Well, maybe uh, the Falcons finally have a quarterback, Fred. Sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm holding out for Shadur Sanders uh, to get drafted by the Falcons in about a year or two. That's well, you'll actually have to lose some games. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry about it. We'll find a way. This is the letter Falcons we're talking about. <laughs> now, I want to get your thoughts uh, at some point on the whole Deion Sanders thing because I find it fascinating. Like, if I could up and cover one thing – it might be Colorado football just because it's insane. He would have a problem with me not calling him coach. You have to call him Coach Prime. I've never called a coach coach except for Johnny Majors because I grew up watching him. Dave, why do you think I wore number two in college? He's I've been my a- favorite football player of all time. It ain't nobody better than Dion, in my opinion, playing football. He is my all-time favorite football player. So we, we got Boo Carter that, that Tennessee's committed to, and now he's going to Colorado. He said just for a visit, he wants to take advantage of that. I believe Tennessee fans should be concerned because the way things are rolling in Colorado. What about you? I think if any player goes to see Deion Sanders, whatever school he's committed to or whatever should be concerned. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Um I mean, the guy has Lil Wayne coming out, bring the team out, man. I mean, they, they've changed the way you look at college football forever when it comes to entertainment and just different things. Different. Something we've never seen. Now, people are going to copycat that at some point. But to be the first to do it? See, I don't, see, I don't, even, know if, I don't even know if they can copycat it because I think there's only one day on. I don't I think, think there's only one Dion, but yeah. I, but I look at I look at some of the things we can do here in Knoxville. You got one, you got the number one country music singer in the world from our area. His name is Morgan Wallen. Yeah, if I'm Tennessee. I'm bringing them down. I'm bringing them out for Georgia game. Mm. Wait, well, he does have a date down in te- uh, Austin, Texas, that same date. But I'm I hope he would. I think he would probably cancel that one to do a concert in Knoxville at the stadium. I'm just saying. <laughs> wow, Fred's got the Georgia week wow. plan. Fred, if people need fantastic insurance coverage, Allstate's a great way to go. How do they get in good hands, Fred? They, they can give us a call at 770-381-0367, or they can look us up online at fredwhiteallstate.com or Fred White Allstate. Just Google it. Um, you can also find us on every social media platform. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and also Instagram. I keep going Twitter. It's X now, but uh-huh. you know what I mean. We can be found on any of those. Yep. Great stuff, Fred. We appreciate it. And I look forward to that Sunday show with Fred. And that will be brought to you by Harold Group Security Solutions. Have a, a blessed day. Have a good one also, Dave. Thank you. No balls. Right there. Have a good one, Fred. And I got to get him a book. Uh, I'm putting him on a list of things to do. He, of all p- people, have to get a book. Um, so I'm going to drop that in the mail. I don't know if he's still in queue or not, but I'm going to get that to him like today so uh coming that was pretty good stuff on Dion. he should be a concern um and i go to travis hunter that was a guy who could have gone anywhere like alabama or georgia and, and chose to go to jackson state now he's at colorado prop bets for tennessee i love this so we'll have two takes on prop bets it'll be hank kingsley meaning i agree hey now or it'll be Tracy Morgan, meaning I disagree. That's crazy. Stay tuned. Off the Hook Sports, back in 90 seconds. Candace, I was, I was really heavy into the drug culture. Um, I 
was selling drugs. I was just constantly in pain. I was missing like a good support system in my life. KS has given me everything that I need in order to successfully have a wonderful recovery, in order to have a life that I didn't even know was possible. And it's not just about me anymore. And I love that. I absolutely love it. You can take your life back. Call Cadis today. With all that sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts. Ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah. Sports Treasures in North Knoxville is one of the South's largest sports cards and memorabilia dealers featuring over 10 million sports cards from vintage to modern. Sports Treasures carries a full line of hobby boxes, singles, autographed memorabilia, Tennessee ball collectibles, fan cave decorations, and so much more. See a museum full of collectibles at Sports Treasures, 4819 North Broadway in Fountain City, and Sports Treasures on Facebook. Sports Treasures, where the real sports fan goes to shop. Um, who's this guy? Hello, Wizard! The Dave Hooker Show. Who? A presentation of Off the Hook Sports. What? YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and the free Off the Hook Sports app. Back to Dave Hooker. Somebody was mad at me on YouTube because we had too many advertisers. Oh, come on. They help make this free and possible. Please support our advertisers. And one of those is the Premier Hemp Dispensary online, so you can order anywhere. And uh, they have a great variety, great selection, and strict standards to ensure you only receive the best in CBD or Delta products. They have the Big Orange Crunch that I just got a sample of that I'm going to share with you. I can find a way to get it in the studio. But uh, go to HempHouseChat.com, HempHouseChat.com. Use the promo code HOOKED and you will be taken care of. 10% off of your order. But then if the Vols win, we debuted it after they lost, unfortunately, because we didn't know that. But the Vols win, you get 50% off the Big Orange Crunch that has uh, the uh, fantastic taste and more. All right. It's time for some prop bets. So you go ahead and uh, set me up, Caleb, and I'm going to tell you if I agree or disagree with you. First of all, full disclaimer, how have you done gambling wise this season so far? Uh, Well, we talked about that yesterday on the teams. I haven't tracked my prop bets, but I am now four bets above 500, I believe 31 and 27 on the year. And on my best bets of the week, I am seven and three. So I'm at 70% on my best bets of the week, guys. Trust me on this. To quote the great Taylor Swift, best believe I'm still bejeweled. Okay, anyway. (laughs) Did you see me in a column? You better have that I made uh, a reference to Taylor Swift. I thought you would appreciate that. I said uh, Nico was as talented as Taylor Swift. So I've, uh, I've, I've begun to appreciate that a little bit more. Uh, through through a very close friend, and um, I'm, I may get on board that Taylor Swift bandwagon. As a matter of fact, uh, you know she's doing the the shows at the movie theaters. Have you heard about that? Yep, yep. I'm going to one of those. Nice. I'm saving going to one of them because when she comes back for her U.S. leg next year, I'm going to the concert. So you know. All right. Well, I won't make fun of you anymore because I've been one over. I, I love that one. T- uh, Karma, I think, is is the name of that song. So, prop bets. Yeah, we don't. We're not, we're not advertising Taylor Swift. You don't have to support her. She's doing fine. Let's start with. She that could first. support us. 
Good. Yeah, she wants to toss us, uh, you know, a couple hundred G's. We can we can really blow this thing up. UTSA uh, plus five and a half first quarter spread. Uh, I've never seen a first quarter spread. These are the kind of bets that could get me really involved with gambling because I think it's cool. And I think I usually have a pretty good feel for how a game's going to unfold. So UTSA plus five and a half first quarter. What does that mean? That means that Tennessee is favored to be ahead by five and a half at the end of the first quarter. And I say they will not be ahead by five and a half at the end of the first quarter. That's crazy. Why? Well, by the way, for those who say who for, for those who want to know, last week Dave told me that the one and a half spread, I bet against Tennessee on that at the end of the first quarter. Tennessee was up by one at the end of the first quarter. So I won. Dave lost. But um <laughs> keep the uh, seats. Tennessee has been a bad first quarter team this year. UTSA is still going to do what every other team is doing, which is take away the deep shot and try to control the clock if they have the ball first. It'll take Tennessee a quarter to get going. So I think just by its very nature, I'm looking at maybe a three to nothing or a seven to three lead at the end of the first quarter for Tennessee. Okay. The one half, I agree with you. Tennessee has started slow traditionally under Josh Heupel and especially this year. On the other half, look how Tennessee came back from losses last year. Pounded Vanderbilt after South Carolina, pounded Missouri after Georgia. I think Tennessee comes out with a home crowd, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're up two touchdowns at the end of the first quarter. How about that? Uh, Elias says, gun to the head. I'm taking that bet on Tennessee. It's because you're a smart man, Elias. So uh, as far as Caleb not taking that. That's crazy. Just because I love Tracy Morgan. But I'm not going to say this. You suck. Yeah, <laughs> I've been just waiting to play that one. What's next, Caleb? Give me my next prop bet. How do they allow that guy on a golf course? That's the big flaw in Happy Gilmore. They don't allow those hecklers on a golf course. Just no, they allowed a guy with a big nail in his head, too. But anyway, <laughs> the great <laughs> thing. to take shooters five iron and bend it. Like he wouldn't get charged for vandalism. Can you imagine doing one great movie and that allows you to make hundreds of subpar movies after that, which is what Adam Sandler's done? Nevertheless, next prop bet. Okay, next prop bet. Even though it, I got UTSA on the first quarter spread, I've got Tennessee will be up by 11 and a half on the first half spread. So you think they come out a uh, second quarter team as they've traditionally done under Josh Heupel? Hey now. I agree with you. I think they put on a show. And by the way, for those asking, we don't have individuals this week because none of the bookmakers are doing it. I think they're I think they're I think there are too many questions about health for both teams. That's why it's like that right now. What health is questions are out there for UTSA again, for those that don't know? Uh, their star linebacker, Trey, Trey Moore, I believe, who has four sacks on the year. He's out. And Frank Harris, the quarterback, is a game-time decision, which will lead to the next prop bet, funny enough. But he's a game-time decision. And even if he plays, he's not going to be mobile, and he's very dependent on his legs. So to be frank, they're getting less out of Moore. Did you <laughs> That was good. You're not giving me any credit on that. At the I love that one. That's a good one. No, Dave, I love yeah. that one. That's, That's off the top of my – actually, I've been working on that. All right, uh, next prop bet, Caleb. Let's see what Hank Kingsley or Tracy Morgan has to say about that. UTSA, because of the Frank Harris injury, will score less than 18.5 points. 
Do you think UTSA scores less than 18 and a half? Yes. I might I, take I don't think that. Hey, now. I might really take that at 16 and a half. I'm not sure. They get, I like what I think, Fred White said, 13. Yeah, I think 16 and a half would be the perfect number to get, you know, that would get them to 17. I think that's where I would put the number if I were Vegas. 18 and a half, I love the under of them scoring. I don't think they're going to get uh, 19 points. No, they're not going to. I don't think so either. With with Their whole offense is geared behind Frank Harris's dual threat abilities. Even if he plays, he's not going to be able to run. And so Tennessee, I now to be fair, I said this about Graham Mertz last week, but I think that would had a lot more to do with the offense not moving the ball. And it's a much inferior team. So that's yeah, right. One more happy Gilmore reference. Um, Travis uh, on our message board. You can count on me being the parking lot shooter. For the record, how are you gonna say Waterboy wasn't a great movie after that? Oh, it was. There were a couple, but I mean Ed that, Orgeron starred in Waterboy, he was Farmer Fran. <laughs> That's true. I always thought that he was very similar to that. Uh, All right. So here we go. Let's uh, let's roll on to uh, next topic. And that is, should college football adopt a relegation model like the Premier League in soccer? Okay, you're uh, tell me why this is a thing, because you don't have this in the NFL. You don't have it in Major League Baseball. You don't have it in anything else. I think you kind of sort of had it with the NBA in the 60s where you just get left out of the league. I don't know if they send a, send a formal letter. But, um, Caleb, this I'm going to be honest with you. I love you, and I think you do great work. You're, 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 one of, you're one of my favorite people in the world. But this is the most bat bleep crazy thing I've ever heard. Well, here's why this is relevant. For those of you who don't know, after the Pac-12 dismantling that has just happened – the two teams left out in the cold right now without a Power 5 conference to go to are Oregon State and Washington State. They just happen to be playing each other this weekend. They're both undefeated and in the top 25. I'm going to watch that game. Washington State has a Heisman candidate at quarterback in Cam Ward, and Oregon State has DJ Ugalele. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yep, they... nailed it. Perfect. So, great qu- I mean, this is like a great story right here. They are in talks with the Mountain West right now. To like create because they want to save the Pac-12. There's this idea of combining the two conferences with a few more teams and having a relegation model to have the top teams have their own league and the bottom teams have another and you play your way in. So basically, if you're one of the bottom three teams in the conference standings at the end of the year in the Premier League, if you're one of the bottom three teams in the standings at the end of the year, you get relegated to a lower league. If you're one of the top three, you get relegated to the higher league. I think. This is a way for them to have a pseudo power five conference because the top teams will be in their own league, which will be power five caliber. Now let's think about what the other, with the other conferences, the big ones, the sec and the big 10. And I don't know how they would work this, but if, if, if what happens as we think happens in the power five or the power two or power three breaks off and forms their own league, but some of the smaller schools went in, there's already lesser schools like Vanderbilt and Northwestern in these leagues. Shouldn't there be a relegation model to say like, okay, Vanderbilt, you can't kick Vanderbilt out of the SEC because they're a charter member. And so why don't okay. you just have a relegation? Now here's say, the, here's the problem. The here's the problem. Nobody gets back in the league if they get dropped out because they're not going to get the TV revenue. And it's not like the premier league where some billionaire can just invest more money. Ted Lasso. That's about as much as I know about soccer, but 
I just don't see them. So if you if you relegate, you automatically get back. If you're one of the top three in the bottom, you're automatically elevated to the next league. And if you're one of the bottom three in the top, you're relegated. It rewards performance. Call me crazy. I think college football, if you're going to go this route where you're going to have more parity now because of Power 5 being thrown into this, and you're going to see more like, rather than 13-0 and 0 and 0-12 and in a season, you're going to see a lot closer to 9-3 and 3 and 7-5 and whatever teams. A lot more and, of those. And you would not relegate Vanderbilt because they're in the national market and they do bring some academic integrity. Now, when they go to a super conference, I think Vanderbilt's bye-bye. But until then, I don't think you would relegate them. Who would you relegate right now? Because you know exactly who mine is. And they can tear me up on the message board, and I don't care. They shouldn't be in the SEC. I'll just go ahead and say mine right now. It is absolutely Missouri, and it's not close. I would relegate Missouri. I would relegate. <laughs> I mean, also, again, it's relegate before. Is, relegate is a naturally funny word. But Dave, it's it's not – yes, but okay, even if it's performance-based, even if you're relegating, that makes those games – here's what you're seeing in the Premier League. The bottom three teams, when they're playing at the end of the regular season and they're terrible, everybody's still watching their games because they want to make sure their team doesn't get relegated. So you worry about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, the national market, it will still draw because people will be watching to make sure – they're t- to hope their team does not get relegated. Well, it's, it's also yeah, but it's also the number two market in SEC viewing behind Birmingham, just because people love the SEC. I don't think it's because Vanderbilt viewers are just well, no, pounding I mean, on their remote to see them. Well, that's why you said national market at first, and I was that was laughable. Okay, Tennessee gives you the Nashville market. You think Vander? You know, I'm sure the SEC is like, man, we got to keep <laughs> Vanderbilt because otherwise, those Nashville people won't be interested in SEC football. I feel like I just you know, got. I'm sure Alabama would love to add UAB because you know the Crimson Tide just don't have enough of a lock on the Birmingham market. I feel like I just got relegated uh, in some shape, form, or fashion uh, by my suggestion that you could lose the Nashville market <laughs> um, and relegate. That, that, that's your worst take ever. <laughs> here's basically what relegate means. It means, hey, you're a jackass. <laughs> that's pretty much what it means, isn't it? And. And then Vanderbilt's and the, yes, and then what in the response for the teams is, why don't you shut the hell up? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, portions <laughs> of the program brought to you by Sports Treasures, carrying over five million sports treasures. Who else would you relegate? Uh, carrying over five million. Well, North, if it's a super conference, Northwestern. Oh, well, I'm teased in that. Oh, um, carrying over five million <laughs> sports treasures, including the Celebrate '98 book there in North Knoxville. So much more. Following Facebook for the best sports memorabilia. Uh, again, Facebook Sports Treasures TN. Check it out. And who else would be up for relegation? Well, when this combination of leagues happens with the SEC, Big Twelve, Big Ten, and they raid the ACC eventually and whatever, I mean, Wake Forest will be relegated. We know that. Well, I'm talking um, about SEC teams. I don't care about. Oh the well, ACC. right, right now. Okay, if it's a half and half, say it's there's 16 teams when Oklahoma and Texas join. You relegate the bottom half. Okay. You're relegating Arkansas. You're relegating Mississippi State. You're relegating Vanderbilt. You're relegating Missouri. You're relegating Kentucky. Those, maybe not Kentucky, but those four that I just named, you're relegating for sure. Okay. Um, Elias Post there. Teams would lose entire classes when they relegated. And with the transfer portal, 
you would destroy a program with one swift <laughs> stroke of the pen. I mean, Caleb, this is the worst idea you've ever had. Wait, wait, wait. But if you get elevated and another team gets relegated, you may not get a class, but you could just raid that team that got relegated and get the transfer portals from them. Look, you're going to, they're not going to be prevented from being elevated back into the league because you will be competing with a bunch of other teams that got relegated who all, who all had their classes destroyed. Appalachian Red Roots, new to the program and on the message board, I've had these same thoughts, Caleb. Well, I love you for watching Appalachian Red Roots and being a part of it. I love Caleb for all he does, but that's the craziest idea I've ever heard in my life. I think it's genius. And by the way, it's for if you're watching, okay, what about specifically for Washington State, Oregon State, and the Mountain West? That's probably the best way to save them and keep them credible, right? In a Power Five way? Yeah, I guess. And that's yeah, it. I mean, this is the thing insanity. I didn't. This is the thing I didn't like about the conglomeration of the sport. This is a great game this weekend, guys. And it's good. Next year, no one's going to care about it. Well, you're, you're kind of fixing a problem before it's a problem. But, yeah. Um, okay. I'm anti-relegation. We can agree to disagree. Portions of the program brought to you by Tennessee Cider Company. Go to tnsidercompany.com. Use the promo code HAT, and you can order some incredible cider from Tennessee Cider Company, the original hard cider of the Smoky Mountains. When you use that promo code hat, you get a free hat with any purchase. How awesome is that? For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. Uh, please be sure and check out the book. Did you have anything else, Caleb? You look like you're about to say something. Nope. Nope, I didn't. Sorry. <laughs> All right, good. All right, check out the book. We would love for you to purchase that below. Support our sponsors. They're all right below. For Caleb Calhoun, I'm Dave Hooker. This has been a presentation of Off the Hook Sports. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.